0: I'm glad that you're here tonight. And the reason why is because I, the reality of the situation is, is that the majority of you are probably tired tonight. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. And sometimes I think about it like this because I'm tired too. But you know, somebody, you come, sometimes you go, and you sit and you're tired, and you're like, man, I was so tired I couldn't even concentrate. I don't know if I got anything. It's not about you all the time. Amen. And sometimes you might be here for someone else. Amen. That's right. And so I don't necessarily have to get something every single time. It's like, well, it must—it was a total failure. I didn't get anything tonight. You might have been here for someone else. Someone else needed to see your presence. You said something to somebody. You spoke with somebody. The fellowship strengthened you. The fellowship strengthened them. It doesn't always have to be a dynamic thing, right. but then again, it is dynamic to see God work in a, a time when you may not feel or seem like you're getting anything, but yet everybody around you is getting blessed because God is working for you. Huh. Right. So I think that I think that you're blessed tonight whether you know it or not. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> whether you feel it or not, you're blessed. He's been here. And so let's talk about God's word tonight. Uh, you can open up to the book of Ecclesiastes, and I, I think sometimes, you know I they do messages, and, and pastor does messages, and we do, as uh, was Sean was saying, you know, we we give what God, we believe that God has laid on our hearts, and no, it's not always easy, and and, and him and I were both emphasizing, hey, look, it's beating the fire out of us. <laughs> Before we ever get up here, I I would say that yes, I'll read a I'll read scriptures and I'll weep over the scriptures and I'll worship and I'll pray, God, help me with that, forgive me with that for that. And then he's like, Yeah, that's the message. I'm like, hold on a second. I'm I'm inaccurate in that. I'm not where I need to be in that. He's like, Oh, that's the message for tonight, or whatever it is. So Ecclesiastes tonight. Sometimes I feel like God, you know, I like to give structured messages, but this is a this is a set of scriptures that's been, uh, that I've read actually a couple times recently. Uh, I've opened up back up to them again and I said, Lord, you must be reminding me of some stuff here because there's some things here in Ecclesiastes that God spoke to my heart and dealt with me about and I want to share some things with you. And Sometimes I believe that God is, uh, is opens his word and he's like, look, I want to give you some advice tonight. You ever feel like God wants to give you some advice? Amen. I don't always believe that God comes straight at you all the time. I mean, I've been handled by him that way in the past where he's like, I have got something that you need to know, and it's like an like a A-bomb drops in your life. And it's like, not every bit of information that comes from God is that way, though. Sometimes God will just bring something to you. It's like, look, I, can I give you some advice, child? Can I give you some advice? I want to give you some advice. Just re, look, at, look at what it says right here and heed to what I'm telling you. So in Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of advice. There's a lot of information to glean from Ecclesiastes. And so, I want to show, uh, come up uh, with really three points tonight. And when we start in chapter 5, because there's really nobody that gives advice better than God. Right? I mean, you can receive advice from your friends, and it'll probably be wrong. <laughs> you, can get, you can get advice from experts, and that could be wrong. I'm I'm I haven't I considered they call me they say you're in a professional industry I've said things and been wrong before <laughs> it happens to everybody but God never gives bad advice never and so Amen. there were three things that I identified here in these scriptures and the first thing that I want to share with you is in starting in chapter 5 verse 1 Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. The key key two words here is to walk prudently which means to step carefully. Think, Think about that for just a minute and let that set in. Step carefully. Be careful how you step. He says, to be careful, be careful how you step. When you go to the house of God and draw near to here, rather than to give the sacrifice to fools, why would you tell me, why would you tell me to be careful with my step? Because the house of God, and I'm gonna draw, I'm just gonna do it like this. I'm just gonna bring it to immediate time. When we talk about the house of God, yes, I realize, and we're gonna we can make translations and debate over all kinds of stuff. I understand that the Spirit of God dwells here, but I'm gonna talk about the building, and just what goes on within here. It says step carefully when you walk into the house of God. Be careful. Be reverent is what this is talking about. Be reverent uh, with the house of God and with the things that go on in the house of God. We are living in a society that doesn't honor and respect anybody for anything. Amen. it's, It's almost like it's a badge now. It's like a badge to be disrespectful and to be dishonorable to people and uh, for years now i've been saying this with just within myself that we have to recover the art of honor and, and what that really means and so when the scriptures are saying walk carefully step carefully when you come into the house of god because this is the place where the worship happens yes i realize that this is just a building i get that but the things that go on here are sacred Amen. can we agree with that Amen. I realize that the Spirit of God dwells in me, and this isn't the Old Testament anymore. I realize that there's not an Ark of the Covenant, but I also realize that everybody comes that comes here has that Spirit dwelling in them. Therefore, every place that they go would also need to be honored because they in lies the presence of God. Could we agree that the presence of God is here tonight? Amen. Why? Is He here is he here when nobody's here? Well, yeah, you could say that. But he is here because you brought him with you. Amen. And so that presence alone deserves reverence. It deserves respect. It deserves honor. The, the reverence we give him, and let's just put it like this, the, the, the respect and the reverence and the attitude that we come into the house of God with, or we come into church with, sets the tone for a service. You know that? The way that you bring yourself into this place, it sets the tone and the mood for what's going to take place for the rest of the service. We come in, if we come in with an attitude of praise, and I'll kind of keep this, I'll compact this, because I got quite a bit, I have some scriptures I want to cover here. But if you bring in an attitude of praise, if you bring in an attitude of worship, if you bring in an attitude of adoration and admiration for God, with respect for God, if, if you've been meditating on God, uh, it's been a theme here for a long time that we worship and praise before we ever get into the service, right? Been a theme here for a long time. We've talked about that. If you're being reverent and you are in adoration to God, it will be automatic when you come in here. There, And I mean this respectfully. Listen, I mean this very respectfully. There's not a song played. There's not a word said that can force you into worship. There's not. That is completely up to you. It's something that you have to do from your heart. It's something that you gotta wanna do. And I would venture to even go a step further and say, if this is the only time we're doing it, then we're doing it on the wrong, we're, we're doing it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That comes with reverence to God. So when, you know, when he was saying here, and I'm using that, and I understand that, that uh, in Ecclesiastes, when he was talking about this, he was talking about the temple, and he was talking about the way that they acted when they were there. I'm using that as an example because in a society where people are picking up a lot of bad habits, Mm -hmm. people are picking up uh, a lot of bad ways of doing things, um, the way that they're acting and the way that, that that the place is being treated, that the people don't have the same reverence that they used to. This is not an accusational message. Let me make that clear. This is just God's word. And I, I seen this and I thought, you know, this is really good. Because I think every one of us can work on being respectful and reverent to the place that we worship. Agreed? Amen. Amen. We know that God, if God, if we believe that God is here, mm-hmm. then doesn't that presence deserve to be honored and, re- and reverenced? Absolutely. I, I gave that this story before. I remember being in the church of God. And, and, I, and I, like I said, I've said this before. When, when a message would begin to give out in tongues or if something began to take place, everybody was like, shh, 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 shh. quiet. It's like, whoa, what are you talking about? It's like, God's speaking. And I feel the same way about God's word when it comes to hearing of his word. And you come in the house, it's like, what did we come in here to do? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What did you actually come here for? What are you actually doing here? Because he says, he kind of breaks it down. He says, drawn here to hear. Rather than to give the sacrifice to fools, he, basically what he was saying was, and if you studied that, there was a, a bunch of misbehaving going on. Some irreverence that was going on. He said, hey, draw near to hear, and nothing more. It seemed like everybody got something to say today. Right? Everybody's got something to say. Opinions seem to be of the highest form. It's like, It's like opinion matters more than anything else. You've heard me say that in Sunday school. I'm not going to rehash that. But notice what the word says here. It says, draw near to hear. It's like coming in, we come in here with our hearts prepared. It's like, God, what are you going to say to me today? Mm -hmm. What is going to come out out of your word that's going to hit my heart? What do I need to hear today that's going to affect my life? Uh, Sean actually kind of primed this thing at the beginning. Talking about that, I don't know if we really realize, and and when I say this, I'm saying me included, we don't realize how impactful that is when this thing comes forth and the word is spoken. We know it doesn't come back void, correct? We know it's useful every time it goes out. So this should be something that we are really considering and weighing in our spirits when we come in here. It's, God, what are you going to say to me today? What are you, what's going to come forth That's I'm going to need today or tomorrow? Yeah. Or maybe there's a revelation of past sins, some things I need to get out of my life, some things I need to repent of. God, whatever you have for me, show me that. You see, what the scriptures are saying here is that it's impossible for you to hear correctly if your mouth is always open. Yeah. Do you understand, I'm not, I'm not being, what's I'm not saying... Better look out, Rock Harbor. Shut your mouths. <laughs> no, it's not what is. I'm saying glean something from this in, in, in whatever degree. Glean something from it. If your mouth is always open, you can't listen. And I almost look at it like this, and I, and I hope that you get me when I say this. It's almost like we're trying to talk over God. They used to get on to me that, for that in the classroom. You, you were probably the same way. You're in the classroom, you try to talk over the teacher. Quit trying to talk over me. Parents do the same thing to the kids. Quit trying to talk over me. I think sometimes if God could would just audibly speak, He'd say, Quit trying to talk over me. I'm trying to speak here. And I've got some information that is gonna change your life if you would just listen to what I'm trying to tell you. I got something that's gonna affect you in a way that that's gonna break chains and and free your mind and open you up. And these are things you've been asking me for, but you can't get them because you can't shut up. You're always talking. Is, it's a difficult thing to think that, that we're not using God's house in that way. We've often, we've often said that uh, there, are ma- there are many sects in our society today that consider churches uh, more of a uh, gathering place for friends and fun and, and, and getting together. We are here to hear what God would say to us. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here. We're here to lift him up. We're here to make sure that he's first. And when he's put first, he speaks. And then it's our responsibility to listen to what he's trying to say to us. What he's trying to say. I, I meant it when I said it. When God give me gives me a message, sometimes I know it's a message. Sometimes I don't know it's a message. And I'll get a word, and it'll hit me, and I'll be emotional over it. And I said, God, that's a word. I need that. That was good. Father, I needed that. I needed that peace. I needed whatever that was. And then he's like, yeah, that's a message. I was like, wow, I learned the same stuff you do. And so when I come at you with this message. You're like, man, this is kind of a hard message. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. And sometimes I gotta know, I gotta know when it's time to close my mouth. Sometimes I gotta know when it's, it's time to, to lock in on what God is saying. I like services when there's a dead silence. <laughs> you, ever, you ever notice that? Sunday morning, yep. pastor comes with something heavy and there's nobody saying nothing. That's a good thing, you know why? Because you know they have drawn near to here. It's like, I want to hear what he's going to say next because it's hitting me. That's a good thing. But realize what we're here to do. We're not here to make the sacrifice of fools. He's saying, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish in your dealings in the house of God. Watch your step. First piece of advice. Watch your step. Verse 2. Do not be rash with your mouth. Advice number 2. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Do not be rash with your mouth, and, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. What is he talking about here? He's actually talking about vows. Is what he's talking about. He's talking about vows, and paying vows, and making vows unto God. Uh, it, was, it was something cultural for them, and that when we talk about vows in this context... I want to use that for us in the way that we speak to God and we tell God or we negotiate with God. And God, if you'll do this. Tell me, how many of you are in here that have said, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. (laughs) That's a negotiation. That's a negotiation. Now, whether you meant it or not, that's between you and God. Sometimes we say things desperately. Would you agree? Which is what this scripture is saying. Notice what he says here. He says, don't be rash with your mouth. Watch your mouth. Because your mouth might get you into trouble. Watch your mouth. Because your mouth might get you into trouble. Let's talk about the mouth for just a minute. Uh, The Bible speaks of it being a a deadly poison. This thing can't be tamed. We often say things we don't mean. Right? Right? You notice the way that this is putting this in this context. It's talking about, and you notice the flow here, because it started here talking about the way that you step and the way that you operate within the house of God. And now it's talking about the way that you talk to God. All the theme the whole time is reverence and respect. Making sure that you're, you're speaking properly to him. Why? Because he's to be honored, ultimately to be feared. You Notice the wording here. Don't be rash in the mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. What is he saying? What was, what was we just talking about? About drawing near to here. Notice the theme? Saying, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Watch what you're saying. To God? but also to your fellow brethren your sisters watch your mouth um, I gave an example this morning for the Sunday school lesson I'll give it tonight that God had convicted me had been convicting me I like I was wanting to weigh in on a post I wanted to say some things there were some things that were said that I disagreed with I wanted to weigh in God spoke to me and he said don't do that you might trip somebody up with your words we often think of social media as a place to vent all your emotions. Mm-hmm. Actually, social media sometimes reveals the weakness of the heart. Yeah, yeah. In that, if we can learn that we'll get ourselves into trouble if we keep talking and we keep saying things, we can find ourselves digging our own holes. It's a lesson I teach my children often. Is And I'll point it out. You dug your own hole. Nobody did this to you but you. And so when you find yourself stressed out because you're arguing with somebody on the internet or you're frustrated because they don't agree with you, we'd have never got there had we just kept our mouths shut. Mm-hmm. We just watch our mouths. Watch the things that we're engaging in. I'm with you. I want to shut them down too. But often I'm the one that takes the brunt of the damage. Have you ever, have you ever been, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been online? And actually convinced anybody of your own way. I mean, where they where they literally come forth and it's like, you know what? I appreciate every word you just said. You just sold me on your beliefs. It never happened to me. I'd say it's probably about 0% accuracy rating. Save yourself the energy. Save it. Now, the reason that God was dealing with me about that, and I'm going to share something else that I didn't share this morning, something that God has really been put, has put on my heart, and it's the idle word. It's the idle word. And it's that we often, when we speak lazily, we don't realize it, but we're actually speaking before God. Does God not hear and see everything? Absolutely. The Bible specifically talks about the way that we're going to be judged for idle words in the things that we've spoken. And so it hit my heart a couple times. It took me a couple times to finally pick up on it that I was being warned. You better not say that because it will come back around. Mm. You know what I thought about? I'm just thinking, this is just me. I thought about judgment. I thought about standing before God and saying, hey, let me, let's go back to that post. You remember when I warned you to keep your mouth shut? Let's go back over here and I want to show you something. You said it anyway. And let me show you all the lives that you affected by what you said. We don't realize, we don't realize what we're getting involved in when we we reach out. Can it be be an advantage? Can Can it be good to touch that many lives? Sure it can. But do you realize the responsibility that is weighing on each one of your shoulders to have that kind of power? That's some kind of power to be able to speak to all of those people. Are we careful with what we're saying? And do we realize that we're not only speaking to other people, but we're also speaking before the Lord himself? And those words can be a snare. Those words can be a snare. Now, I'm not, I hope you, look, church, I hope you understand. I'm not harping. I'm not. I'm not harping on social media. We got enough problems to worry about. We got all kinds of personal issues and things where our mouth gets us into trouble. But I love the scriptures here and I want to use that as an example because I believe that's a weakness today. It's a weakness that we, we have to be strengthened in and we have to watch ourselves in those areas. Uh, that we keep our witness true even in, our, even in the things that we say online. So he says, um, he says let, therefore let your words be few. He's talking about the way that he's talking to God, um, being reverent to God. For a dream comes through much activity or much business. And a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. He's talking about negotiations or being in a negotiation with God. If you make a vow, and let me, and I'm going to, I'm going to turn this just a little bit. I want you to pay attention to what I say. If you give somebody your word, you say, "This is my word. I'm going to do this." Do you understand that God hurt the same thing? Amen. Do you understand that your word is also making a commitment to God? Why do we always refer to that as direct? Why do, It's almost like we said we give ourselves a pass to cheat everybody. But yeah, we, we don't want to cheat God. No, you've cheated God Amen. by cheating everyone else. No. Right. It's contradictive. So we keep our if we keep our word to other people, we're keeping our word to God. Do you, do you think that do you believe that there are there are things that we've been taught over the years that teach us how to act and how to treat each other? Have you been taught those things over the years? Have you been convicted at times over the way that you treated another individual? Maybe something that you said to him. It's like ooh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wish I could take that back. Mm-hmm. And I, every one of us have things that we've said that we wish that we could take back. Uh, amen. And so what do we do? We repent, we make amends, we go to them. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. That's pleasing to God, but it's displeasing to God when we treat people or say things to people or, or misuse our Christianity to get an upper hand with somebody. The power of your words in that it's not just a vow to God. And the commitment that you've made to God. But we've made that commitment to other people. And we should also hold that true also. If you told somebody. You could say. (laughs) You could say. Well if you told the church you were going to do it. I guess you better do it. Because you told God you would do it. It's the same way. The commitment's the same. We're in a society. And I'm going to refer to this again. We're in a society that doesn't like commitments at all. You can see it in the way that people are. the hiring rates and the way that people are working that people don't like commitment they don't like it um i've talked to a, a lot of hiring hires out here trying to get people to work for them um when i was hired on at sundowners it was unheard of unheard of that someone would go through the interview process look around and see that they didn't really like the joint before they ever picked up a drill and walked out now it's common they, they don't even get a day on the job, and they're like, you know what? I think I'm going home. It's unbelievable. Commitments are at an all time low. What better time? What better time to make sure that, that Christianity is viewed correctly through our commitments and through the words that we're speaking? And when we say and make a vow, and we say, that's what I'm going to do, that's what you're going to do. Even if it's, even if your situation changed, you know what, that's hard. That's one of the hardest things. I've taken loss, taken some, <laughs> taken some losses over that one. I said I would do it. I've, I've made some bad, uh, I call them, so we, in my industry, if we go out, you're supposed to go out and do an evaluation. Uh, and sometimes I've made evaluations over the phone. It's a bad idea, <laughs> I'm just gonna tell y'all right now. Yeah. It's a bad idea to make evaluations over the phone. I made some evaluations over the phone, in some jobs that were high-priced jobs that I should have showed up for and looked first. I didn't do it, I said, this is what I'll do it for, and I got there, and I was staring at it, and I was like, that was a really bad idea. There's no way in the world, there's no way in the world I can walk out of there and tell them we're gonna have to change the price. They say, is the price still the same? Yes, sir, it is. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I told you that's what the price was, that's what it's gonna have to be. Sometimes commitments with your words are hard. Sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes they're going to be a total loss for you. Sometimes they're going to stick you in the side. You're going to think, man, this is like a thorn in my flesh. Yeah, but you dug that hole. That's mm-hmm. your word. Does, doesn't your word mean something? Yes. Absolutely. Shouldn't it mean something? Amen. Because your word is God's word. You understand how that works? You're a representative of the kingdom of God. And so if you say I'm gonna do it, that's a reflection on him. That's how important it is to keep your word and to keep, and I'm using I'd saying vows to God. And by keeping your word to the people around you, you're keeping your word to God that you'll obey his commandments and walk in his ways and in his statutes and uphold all of those things. We're doing that to God also. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Oops! I made a mistake. Can we go back on that? Can we change that? You notice what he's saying here. He's Man, isn't it amazing how timeless the word of God is? Timeless. The kind of stuff is still going on today. He said, hey, don't let this be the case. said the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry? Whoa, angry? God, why are you angry? Why are you angry, God? Somebody went back on their work. Angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands. For in the multitude of dreams, in many words, there is also vanity. What does vanity mean? What is vanity? When he's talking in this context, what is it talking about Ecclesiastes? What's vanity? Emptiness. It's empty. For in the multitude of dreams, and many words, there is emptiness. But fear God. He's giving you some, you notice that, I love the advice here. Because he's teaching you a couple different topics, but they all work together as one. He's talking about watching your step, watching your mouth, and the ramifications if we don't. And there are ramifications. Absolutely there are ramifications. We, you all know, we're all old enough to know now that there are consequences to actions. Look look at our society. Would you say that there's consequences to actions? Amen. It, what's crazy is, is that nobody learns anything. For some, today, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Nobody learns from their mistakes anymore. It's like if you do something that hurts you, you stop doing it. Today, they just keep doing it. I've never seen the like. And and to me, when I look at these scriptures and I think of some of the things that I've been through myself, it's God is warning you. He's like, hey, let me give you some advice. Let me give you a warning. You need to watch these items. Watch these things because you can get yourself into a heap load of trouble (laughs) if you don't watch your step and you don't watch your mouth. Okay? Let's move on to the third one. Verse 8, if you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter. I thought the moment I seen that, I said, you know what, that sounds just like America. (laughs) I said, it sounds just like America. Now, no, I I want to take you through this. If you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter. Advice, piece of advice number three. Watch your eyes. Watch what you lay your eyes on, okay? Now on what you got, now watch this, watch. For high official watches over high official, and higher officials over them, or over the profit of the land is for all, even the king is served from the field. And so what this, from 8 to 9, 8 and 9 is talking about government and the misuse of government. We obviously are living in a land where there's been misuse of government. And what the scripture is telling us here is be careful how closely you watch this because it will start to affect you. Be careful how closely you watch this because it will start to affect you. You start to look at this, and you know, and, and I was actually looking at um, some different commentaries on this, and one of them really caught my eye and I thought it was really good. <coughs> what would you rather have? Would you rather have no government at all? You know what that means. If there's no government at all, there's total anarchy. Absolute anarchy, if there's no government. Now I agree, I have a ton of disagreements with our government, I am totally displeased with the way that our government has done things and run things, and if I wanted to, I could spend every last waking moment picking apart everything that they have done wrong in the last couple years. And I agree with you, Pastor, what you said this morning, right or left, makes no difference. Y'all have run this thing into the ground. Now, with that said, on a personal level, I can only handle that in small doses. Why? Because it starts to, I start to garner emotions and feelings that I don't need. You don't need hate in your heart. You don't need it. And if you start looking at government and you start picking it apart and you start Really letting it weigh on you, you're going to start to have emotions and feelings that are going to start to dig roots into you. This is why I say you have to be careful about how closely you watch something that you disagree with. I've known this about politics for a long time. Take it from somebody who who used to bathe themselves in it, like literally cover myself with it. I mean, there wouldn't have been a there wouldn't have been a piece of knowledge out there that I didn't I hadn't covered to some extent. Now I still I follow it so I can keep my knowledge right but I also realize the, the, the risk that I run from it damaging me if I follow it too closely. And this is, this, I'm going to draw you back, church, listen. I'm going to draw you back. I realize we live in a real world, but your eyes should be where? On oh God. It should be on Him. It should be on what His Word says. It should be on His promises. Yes, our country's changing. Yes, things aren't, things aren't the same as they used to be, and they never will be. Have you accepted that yet? They never will be. That makes me sad. Sure, It does. That makes me sad. It'll never be the, the way it was. Uh, there's a picture hanging in our living room uh, of the family, and it was in 2019. And I look at that picture, and I stare at my face, and I'm like, that face looks a little younger. There's been like the last four, three, four years of of the things that have come down the pipe, that have changed my perception on a lot of things, yours too. A lot of things have happened in the last three, or four years. And as true as that is, as true as that is, I've got to keep my eyes on Him. I've got to keep my eyes on Him. There, it's it's like a, like a, um, like a magnet. And and I wanna. And it, When you're dissatisfied with something you want to blame somebody You with me? And so the the thing that we do is man I'm gonna blame them people up there in the in the authority positions. It's their fault and We start pointing fingers and then I we start being aggressive and angry and frustrated And I'm and I understand that we got to keep up with all this. I understand that we got to live in it But if you don't watch yourself You'll go too far You'll get too much You'll take it all in, and you'll be this uh, this ball of frustration just walking around from one situation to the next, and every little thing fuels your fire. And before you know it, you can forget peace. <laughs> you lost it because we drowned ourselves in watching these things play themselves out. We drowned ourselves in them. And, I'm, and I'm, not knocking, I'm not knocking anybody's strategy or what you have. I'm just telling you, when it comes to ill-running government, watch how much you take in. Start pointing fingers, that's dangerous. All right? I'm just giving you some advice, remember? This is just advice. Okay, verse 10, and, now, and I'm going to close this thing down. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This, is, this also is vanity or emptiness. And notice he uses the word love. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. It's like, you get it? Is it enough? No. Those uh, Nor he who loves abundance with increase. I want to get more. This is some good advice. He's saying, when you get the more, you won't be happy with it. You are going to get it. You'll think that's what you wanted. You will get it, but it will not be satisfying to you you're going gonna to be like, well, that wasn't enough. This is probably, in my view, the most cancerous thing in America. It's more. It's more. Now, some people would debate that. Some people would say, that's not true. It's this or that. That's fine. I think a lot of our own problems come from the root of just wanting too much. We just want too much, and 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 then we want it, and we don't realize the price that has to be paid that to, to have it, and then it's a burden. Uh, Pastor, you mentioned the yoke this morning. That yoke, it's like a, uh, harness. yeah, like a harness. the 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 yoke it's it's light. The Lord's yoke is is light. It's easy, but the world's is heavy, and binding. Um, <coughs> you know, it's like it's like. <laughs> It's like having a mortgage. Do you ever wonder why mortgage is spelled M-O-R-T? Because it comes from mortuary. Which means death grip. Why does everyone want a death grip in their life? And I'm using that, I'm using that example because that's practical. And we want and we get, but we don't realize what it costs. And so... He says, you're going to want silver, you want you want uh, increase, but it's just empty. When goods increase, they increase to uh, uh, for those who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? You notice it ends that with a question mark, and it kind of sounds, it kind of odd there. It's like, what is he talking about right there? He's saying that the only use or the only good that you get out of it is for someone else to begin to nitpick and take it, hello, taxes, and it all gets taken away from you. And the only gain that you got was to say that I had it. <clears throat> yeah, it's just, there it is. I seen it with my eyes. I was there. I had it. He's saying, that. That, is that it? Is that what you were wanting? Just to say that you had it? What value is that? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. What? The abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. I, I actually forgot to check that statistic, uh, but the sleepless statistics uh, in America and the people that are, that are on uh, all kinds of things to try to help them sleep, and I'm not, I understand, some of you have got medical issues and you need some things to help you sleep, and that's totally fine, I understand that. I'm talking about good, healthy individuals not being able to, to get the sleep that they need because they are so burdened down by having and wanting so much it's just like a weight constantly there and and you got to ask yourself it's like why did we want that is it really worth that weight if there's ever a time to get some of these things ironed out it's right now because everything is topsy-turvy right now everything is crazy it's it's right now where we start looking at advice like this and start thinking twice about what our motive is, even for what we're doing in life. It's like, man, I need to call into question uh what my strive is, like what I'm really after here. There is a severe evil. Listen to this, I love this. This is there is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. I love how he refers to it as a severe evil. Rich is kept for their owner to his hurt, but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. Now pay attention to this. He's about to take you on a little journey here. There is nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And he shall take nothing for his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? Question. He's like, he said what good does it to strive your whole life? Because when you came into this world, you didn't have anything and you will most assuredly leave with nothing. So he's, and and this is coming, you know, so they say, Solomon, Ecclesiastes, we're gonna, we're gonna, we we believe that he's the writer of this. For him to, he was the richest man of all time. And he said, I've I figured some things out. I figured it out that To have all of this stuff really doesn't mean anything because there's going to be another king and he's going to get everything that I did. All the accomplishments, all the things that I was able to work for, it's going to go to him. And man, when when you really think about that, it really makes you think. Like, whoa, what am I doing this for? Now look, let's wrap this up and we're going to close. All of his days he also eats in darkness and he has much sorrow and sickness and anger. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting. Alright, so he's been talking bad the whole time. Now he's talking good, right? Notice he switches gears. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for. It is his heritage. You know what I seen seen there? He's saying, live in the moment. Live in the moment. Enjoy Enjoy. Enjoy the food. Enjoy life. Enjoy it now. Quit hoarding it up. It's not going with you. <laughs> Rethink what the motive is of why you're out to earn all of that or to get all of that. Because in the end, you're not going to get to keep it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it did. It really... It When I read through this again, I thought, wow, what advice for us today. Because, I mean, we could... We're watching our economy change right before our eyes. You and I, you and I may not have the same, do you understand that every one of you have a, um, it's a earning ability. You have, the, you have uh, an innate earning ability. Every one of you, uh, you can even break it down into dollar figures. Uh, every one of you has the ability to earn money. Do you know that that is changing vastly and quickly in our nation and that 12 months from now, it may not look anything like it does right now. Now, I'm, not, I'm not announcing doom and gloom. I'm just saying your ability to make the kind of money that you do now may not be the same in 12 months. That's why I'm saying we need to rethink what we're even striving for. And he's saying the best that you can do, the best is to enjoy, enjoy the eating. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the fellowship. Enjoy it right now because tomorrow it's all gone. You won't get to keep it. And I love that. I think that's great advice. All right. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly all the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. What are the most important things that you and I could focus in on or lock in on are the things of God? And I, yes. And I I don't want to. This is I know Pastor had a great message this morning. Of getting that burden off of us and and being able to be free of those, be free of that hustle, and and every we you are all not ignorant to the fact that this world has a pace to it. It does. It has a pace. Um, Talk to anybody that has run races. You run races. Zales run races. You know there's a pace. Set. This, the, the, our society has a very fast pace, like it's like rocket fire, fast. I'm encouraging you tonight to look at these scriptures and take them as advice. You, if you'll take them as advice, take a look at what he's saying to us and look at the value of chapter 5. Look at how many things he puts in here about watching your step, watching your mouth, and watching where you put your eyes. And I used, I said eyes here because watching government and watching money. Like we're staring at that money where it's like, I got to get a little more. And I got to get just, if I could just get right here and hit this goal. And all these things. And there's so many people out today. There's so many gurus (coughs) and and financial experts. And and I get all that. I know we got to make money. I get it. You want to pay your bills. I understand. I understand that we want a little bit of money left over. Amen? Amen. Ah, Yes. Absolutely. But I'm going to ask it to you like this. I'll, I'll, is it worth the price that you're paying? Think about it. Is it worth the price that you're having to pay to obtain it? That's the real question. And so we've got some good advice right here in chapter 5. I'm going to close with that. If you'll stand, i to pray. You've got a lot of things here to be meditating on and thinking about. Sometimes sometimes we just need some advice God give me some advice show me how to run my life show me how to orchestrate my uh, my, my life in a way that's pleasing to you and show me how to show me how to uh, change my ways if they're displeasing to you and, and, and most importantly God show me how to be wise mm-hmm. with the resources that you've given me He's given us a lot of resources we have a lot of things at our disposal in this country as of right now they still stand you still got them Let's use them wisely. Let's use them wisely. Father, thank you for uh, tonight, Lord. Father, I'm just so thankful to be with these people, Father God, in this battle and in this war together. Father, I'm just so thankful, Father God, that we got brothers and sisters in Christ that will pray for us, Lord, when we need prayer. Father, I pray that we are, be vigilant tonight, Father God, <coughs> in praying for each other, Lord God, and holding each other up in prayer. Father, I'm so thankful tonight, Father God, for the country that we live in, and it might be in disarray, Father God, but I love this country. You know, Father, I'm so thankful, Father God, to be living here where I am. And Father, you bless this country, Lord, and I pray tonight, Father God, that you bless this church and help us, Father God, to take your advice seriously. And Father, if we've if we've walked out too far, if we've extended ourselves too far, if we've gone too far, Lord God, if we've if we've treated your house irreverently, Father God, or we've we've said things that are not true, or we've we've Said things, Father God, that are disrespectful. Yeah. Father God, I pray that we line up with you, Lord. Oh, yeah. I pray that we would get lined up with what you would speak to us, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for this tonight, Lord God. It's such a privilege and an honor, Father God, to be in your this place with your people tonight, Father God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed.